Hello and welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast for October 16th, 2013. This is Brendan and today Tom and I are going to talk about why Wall Street rarely says sell. They rarely do say sell. You know, they'll come out with different ratings right. on these companies. Uh, and a lot of times they'll stay a little longer than they should with a buy rating. Mm-hmm. But they do have other words like hold, but they rarely do come out with those sell ratings. And Brendan, I think you've got some numbers to back that up. Right. Uh, we were looking at some buy, sell, hold ratings recently, which, by the way, are companies in the S&P 500 index uh, in September 2013. Right. That's what we're looking at here. Yeah. So. The data includes more than 11,000 individual buy-sell-hold ratings gathered from Wall Street analysts for the companies in the S&P 500. So what they did was they said, let's go to all these different Wall Street firms and tell us what your ratings are on all of the companies in the S&P 500. So that's how they wound up with 11,000 different ratings. It's a lot of ratings. Yeah, so what you What's, come up with? Yeah, the weird or kind of alarming thing about it is that 95.3% of the ratings are hold or higher. So basically hold or buy. Yeah. Hmm. Right. So we're looking just 2.2% of the ratings are in the sell category and only 4.3 are rated a weak hold. So which yeah. I mean a weak hold. I don't know <laughs> what a, I don't know what a weak hold I is. I kind of don't get that either. There's been a lot of talk uh, about over the last 10 years how Wall Street firms need to clean up their act and come clean on these ratings and apparently nothing's changed in the last 10 years because these numbers are not much different than they were 10 years ago where the large percentage almost all of these ratings are buy or hold or strong buy I don't know what that means (laughs) but uh, very few sells and very few weak holds, but the kind of chatter you hear on places like CNBC is that hold might be code for sell. It's never really clear what they they mean about that, but don't you think that's really unusual? Yeah. That out of 11,000 ratings, just a little over 2% of them say sell? Yeah. I mean, and we have some numbers that make that look even worse, really, because... Yeah. Like you said, that that many are hold or higher in the ratings, but nearly half of these stocks, I'm um, we know 45% have poor technical scores. And techni- the technical approach is really what we use when we're evaluating the stocks. Of course, we're going to be looking at the fundamental side too, but we really want to zoom in on the technical and like Brendan mentioned, 45% of these 500 stocks in the S&P 500 have poor technical scores. Now, we score them. We use the Dorsey Wright rankings. Right. And Dorsey Wright rank, uh, ranks these stocks with a 0 to 5 scale. And so four and uh, technical scores with a 4 and 5 are in our buy range. Right. And a three would be, well, we'll hold on to it if we bought it at a four or five, and now Mm -hmm. it's fallen back to a three, so we're going to hang on to it. And then zero, something that's got a technical score of zero, one, or two, we're probably not going to touch them. And in fact, we're probably, if we own them, and it falls to a a zero, one, or two technical score, we're probably going to sell them. Yep. Because that's, that's a measure of relative strength, and that's really important. So what that means is, out of 500 stocks, 
and most of them are rated buy or hold by Wall Street firms using fundamental analysis, we found that only 275 of them are really technically sound, things that we would actually consider owning. And we've got a pretty good example of one that came up recently. Yeah, uh, BlackBerry. Yeah. <laughs> used to be called Research in Motion, and they changed their name to BlackBerry. But the story behind BlackBerry is this. This company uh, broke their, their chart, broke the support line in April of 2011. Now, before I go any further, Brendan, you know where BlackBerry is trading at the moment? This is October of 2013. Yeah, around $8 a it's share. It's trading at $8 a share. So yeah. it actually broke the support line in April of 2011. That's two and a half years ago at $57. Yeah. So even if you didn't get out at $57, say you sold it on, on the very next sell signal at $52. A lot better than eight. A lot better than eight. So it's a big deal. When these companies break down on a technical basis, they rarely come back. Sometimes they do, but they rarely come back. In BlackBerry's case, it never got above the resistance line ever again. Right, and BlackBerry's not the only case. We have some other pretty famous examples of stocks that broke their support lines, we, and yeah. Wall Street was kind of hanging on too long. They were saying buy all the way down on companies like Enron. Mm -hmm. Uh, companies like AIG, which actually was a member of the Dow Jones. Right. Uh, AOL, probably one of the more famous collapses uh, with the dot-com bust yes. uh, 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, a lot of times the, the handwriting will be on the wall or on the chart right. uh, long before Wall Street catches up and changes their tune. So if, if we can see this, then why does Wall Street not say sell? Okay, that's a, it's a, a story, it's a long story, but the whole idea is, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, Wall Street firms got a lot of their money from clients buying and selling stock. They got their commissions. That percentage of their business has just shrunk to almost nothing. And now Wall Street firms get most of their money from investment banking activities, meaning, hey, we're going to raise some money for you through a debt or a bond offering, or we're going to do a secondary uh, sale of your stock to help you raise money, or we're going to take you public, mm -hmm. or we're going to advise you on mergers and other deals. That's really where Wall Street firms get their bread and butter. Um, it's really tough for investment banking firms to go in and say, hey, we'd like to do these transactions for you, and then the, the company sits back and says, well, how come your analyst doesn't like our stock? Yeah. You want to do business for us, but how come you're not positive on our stock? It would be a conflict of interest there. It's, it's an ethical Somewhat, problem that yeah. they've got in the sense that they need to have a good, strong rating for the company and you know, use that as a kind of a springboard into doing some future business. Maybe that's why they have hold and weak hold and it's a so. big cloud for <laughs> where they can they can hide a lot of things. A lot of gray area. That's in right. There. Yeah. So when we do talk about these different securities in the in the podcast, it's important to know that none of the securities that we mention represent a past specific recommendation of Maluli Asset Management. And this video is not a recommendation to buy or sell any of the securities that we mention here. More importantly, if you're relying on a podcast for investment advice, we think you might be making a big mistake. And so we strongly urge our listeners to consult with their investment advisor 
before they make a decision to buy or sell any kind of investment. Now, if you don't have an investment advisor, we'd be happy to help you out, answer whatever questions you might have. You can pick up the phone and call us at 732-223-9000, or you can find us on the web at maluli.net. Okay, that's all we have for this week. Hopefully now you understand why Wall Street is usually reluctant to say sell, and we'll be back next week with a new topic. Thanks for listening.